Signs of the Southland, Tuesday, May 30th. A little late recording this week because the NCAA Golf Championship is on the Men's Golf Championship. That is, we'll have an update on Tech's position in a bit. But for now, let's start with introducing our guest, Tony Altimore. How are you doing, sir? Hey, doing great. Glad to be here with the Ramblin' Rec crew. <laughs> Absolutely. Give us, uh, just tell us a little bit about your background to, to warm up here. Sure. Uh, so I, my regular life, I do strategy consulting work, uh, mostly for companies, also do some higher ed work and a lot of work with student groups, um, universities and so like that, kind of as a, as a kind of a, almost a small sub business as well. And I, during the whole conference realignment stuff, really found that a lot of media outlets didn't understand the business of higher education and sports. They just understood what was sort of going on on the field. And so I started working with a lot of uh, media outlets and stuff like that on helping them better understand what was going on with realignment issues and, and higher education issues. And from that now uh, help host uh, some shows with the Voice of College football team. And uh, great to be here. And for background, I'm a, a USC and Penn grad. So fight on Trojans and go Quakers. Ben. Fantastic. Well, so let's let's sort of kickstart our discussion uh, for the for those that don't know. In October, we did a series called Engineering a Program, where we talked through sort of Georgia Tech's um, financial situation, uh, financial situation, historic situation, a bunch of these contextual factors uh, that has turned Georgia Tech into the program, the athletic program that it is. Today And so we felt like it would be best to bring Tony along since he's, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff in this in this space and talking about higher education strategy. So why don't we set the table with some numbers just to get an idea of where Georgia Tech is right now in terms of their finances? They're sitting on approximately two hundred and seventy eight million dollars of athletic debt that puts them at sixth worth in the FBS. They have a $105 million budget, around $106 million in terms of fiscal year 22. Uh, about a third of that comes from the media. Uh, out of the FBS schools, they have the 13th smallest budget allocation towards athletics, which actually puts them in the same neighborhood as Michigan. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. And uh, their debt service, I think that's something we harped a lot on uh, when we did our original readout, it's around $13 million, if you remember. That is actually middle of the pack in the FBS as well. So um, just to kickstart the discussion, um, Tony, I know we we talked a little bit before we started recording about some of the factors um, that sort of how, how Georgia Tech fits into this national narrative of athletic strategy um, and athletic spending. We talked about some of the factors that have gotten Georgia Tech to the place where it is make the case where why is Georgia Tech, at least from the outsider's perspective, why is Georgia Tech in the place where it is right now? So I would say one of the really sort of scary things about your financial situation, different than a lot of schools, is that if you look at everybody that has more debt than you, has done a recent like mega project. Like the, I don't even know what it was a billion dollars, whatever the crazy amount of money that Cal spent to rebuild their stadium to yeah. be like seismic pieces that shift because they built it on top of a fault line or the the huge new stadium at San Diego State or the complete rebuild of Sun Devil Stadium 
uh, all the stuff that Illinois has done. The problem yeah. is that you guys have all of the same debt they do, but your stadium project was what, like two decades ago? And the next one's so, coming. I, I will say, the, I put a, ch- uh, a chart in the chat earlier because um, we were talking about capacity utilization. Uh, your boy has attendance figures spilling out of his computer left and right. Um, and I started it from 03 for a reason, uh, because that is the completion date of our upper north, which, and Akshay, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think is fairly characterized amongst our fans as essentially a large white elephant that does not get used. Suites are great. We needed more suite capacity. Um, Georgia Tech is notorious for utilizing those pretty well, but that upper north, it just sits there and it's and it's an albatross and you know, we, we rebuilt the basketball stadium. That's 10 years ago now. Um, baseball stadium was done more recently, but from uh, a separate project race. But really, it's uh, it's the Upper North. Uh, it's the basketball stadium and, and associated uh, basketball arena and associated works there in about 2011, 2012. And they also rebuilt the tennis uh, facilities and the track there uh, from, from scratch right around the time that they were doing. McCamish, um, uh, of note, this is an aside for our listeners. Um Outdoor at Ken Byers Tennis only has 10 courts. You need 12 to host a regional. So we spent a lot of money that we can't even do the biggest ticket items with. And I feel like that's kind of similar to the conversation that we're having now, right? It's it's somewhat albatross-ish. You know, we're not filling it. We're not using it to put maybe the potential that we could get. There. Well, and the problem is you still have the same amount of debt as somebody who's built it like brand new. Yes, right. Exactly. Um, and, and I'll tell you, and this is and this, this is a, a, a bigger question, um, and it has to do with your because you guys have your your state regents and all you know that kind of control everything and are kind of a unique system. But it's at least a unique system that is very supportive of athletics and supportive of its big, powerful schools. Yeah, more so than many. We're not one of those. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's more, more, more so than many. That's fair. Um, that, that I'll that so, I'll agree with, but I mean the the state power structure in the state of Georgia, independent of the board of regents, all the way up to the state government, has essentially been um, well publicized in in being a funnel. Red towards, and black. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's kind of kind of just how it goes. It's kind of how it's always been. Georgia Tech had originally its own separate board of trustees uh, until about the, I'm going to blank on the year. I should know it off the top of my head, but 30s, uh, late 20s early thirties um, tied into some rejiggering of who got what program. Essentially they said Georgia tech having a commerce school, which was Georgia tech's business school, but they couldn't call it a business school because you can't have the same programs that are offered in Athens, yada, yada, yada state legislature. We're going to move the commerce school to Athens. Now they have two business schools, spin the commerce school back off. Now that's Georgia state. So there's a lot of government involved, even if it's uh even if it's more friendly than other places, it's certainly more friendly uh, to our friends up the road about seven. Years. Up the road. Well, but the thing the thing is that I think you guys really and this is this is above any of our pay grades, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But the school and, you know, as part of your capital campaign or whatever, I, I think the school needs to take may want to consider some form of assistance to better help alleviate the albatross of these debt payments that are are hurting your athletic department, but at the same time, they're from they're really old, and it's like it's almost like you kind of have to say, okay, well, we we took too much. I mean, so Cal has recently done that in in making a very large subsidy of their athletic department mm-hmm. um, for, for a lot of the same reasons, being like, you know what, the stadium cost a fortune. 
We had to do it because it was historic and it's on a stupid earthquake fault. So, I, I mean, they could have built five stadiums for the cost of what they spent. And so they've now, they're giving the athletic department $30 million a year. Um, the interesting thing we found when we looked at your data is if you look at, you know, your athletic department gets, gets a subsidy from the school of about 11 million a year, but you're pumping in through the, the tuition transfer payments. We won't get into the boring aspects of accounting as to why they do that, but your athletic department is still contributing way more to the school in terms of tuition for both your scholarship and your walk-on athletes than they're getting from the school. So there is room for the school to say, I mean, even if they weren't like, we're going to wipe off the debt, the school could increase the subsidy and it would still be in the, in, still be in the black. The, uh, the problem is that's a, a poison pill to the vast majority of, of the student body. Um, despite, you know, Georgia Tech generally being at least amiable. Um, yeah, or, or or you could do something like stop charging your athletic department so much in tuition transfer pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And again, again, that, that, this is, that's where that, uh, there are CPAs angrily typing in the comments as I say that, <laughs> you know, I, whatever mechanism would be necessary to, to do something like that. There, There is just a lot of money going back and forth that, if the school were to be a little more cognizant of the debt issue um, could be helpful. Cause the other thing is your football spending is actually pretty low. And one of the things that I would worry about looking at your, your overall spending is the question of like, is your football spending? Like if we look at the whole model of how the world's changing right now, that spending may have to go up. We look at, we may move towards an employee model. We may move towards whatever, and do you guys have the financial flexibility to do that? Right now, you probably don't. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, big. there's 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 a reason why the most evergreen topic on this here podcast is when will Tech add women's soccer? Because they need to. From a t- Title IX perspective, they they need more women athletes represented amongst you know the offerings. And I mean, when you're that far in debt, it it kind of is how it is. I have one question before we get too far away from it. Um, you looked at the annualized payment, right? The, the 12.9 million in, in debt service. Um, does your data source look at any of, um, maybe historical is impossible, but some of the forward looking things and, and actually, I think you can probably anticipate where I'm going with this. There are like poison pill size payments that keep getting restructured in the tech debt. Does that play into your analytics at all? Or, so or I, really? I don't have, I don't have the details in your debt. So I have what, the stuff that I was using for this was from the Knight commission oh, okay. because they, cool. they pull great data. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like you guys probably have some balloon payments. And if you look at how it's been, they've been doing that, like they've been restructured. If you look at the thing, you guys are incredibly in debt. You're almost like a, like a 2008 homeowner or whatever, like you're incredibly in debt, but you're not paying it off. Yeah. Yeah. is the problem. And yeah. so like you look at everyone else and that's why if you look at the debt, you're like, I don't know, on that list, you're like fourth most in debt, but you're like very average in your debt payments. Yeah. So, so again, you just sort of keep paying, like you're just paying the interest on that albatross of a stadium. Now mm-hmm. there, the thing of it being Georgia tech, uh, being a, a public school, uh, you know, and I don't know how they do it. If it's, if it's off the school's credit, if it's off tax exempt bond, but the thing about it is, is for a lot of colleges, when you look at the debt, it's not necessarily a bad thing because giant colleges can borrow money essentially for free. 
Yeah. So it's 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 a really financially advantageous thing a lot of times for universities to borrow money. And it's not like a company because they just the the interest is so low because it's backed by the school, which is backed by the state, which is, you know, so there are some some financial advantages to doing that. Um, but for you guys, there's probably a lot of questions because you're not paying it off. Yeah, so I quickly pulled up the uh, latest financial statement from the Georgia Tech Athletic Association. Um, I see a couple of things. This is I'm doing this extremely off the cuff. I did not prepare for this. Uh, well, and and this, by the way, is from the, this is their financial statements as opposed to the the standardized filing. So they yes. the numbers may be a little different. Yeah. yeah. So um, and and they don't they sometimes won't list some of the things that I think I'll I'll go over. Um, the athletic association has an unsecured revolving line of credit in the amount of twelve million dollars with a regional bank. Line of credit is due on demand. Line matures on in January of twenty five. There was an eleven million dollar balance outstanding on the line of credit in June of twenty two. Um, there's a couple of loans listed here. Uh, I think I'd have to scroll a little bit to figure out exactly what the um, exactly where they are coming from. But I can say for sure that the largest one is one hundred sixty three million dollars. Uh, that has principal payments ranging from around 2 million to around 11 million uh, beginning October 24 to October uh, through October 50. So, so those are going to go up high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you are looking at a lot of different <laughs> styles of debt, a lot of different bonds as well. Um, I'm scrolling because I know that they have a problem. Well, you guys did that. You guys did a whole awesome column about it that broke it down. And and I found it fascinating just looking at that. Yeah, you guys are a little different than most than most. And it's it's also interesting. And again, this may be structure, Georgia. I'm I'm not familiar with exactly how how it goes, but like a lot of these athletic departments, they sort of like UCLA is the shadiest. They borrow like from the school and the school charges interest. It's a whole shady operation. But like it sort of gets lumped in a little more with the school itself. And with you guys, it seems like it's pretty independent. Yeah. And and that stems from long history of the Tough. alumni association and the athletic association being very and research as well being very separated out bodies. Um, well, from, and do you guys do you guys find and this? I mean, I don't I don't know you know exactly the details of your of your situation, but there are a lot of schools too that are still sort of digging out from frantic COVID financing um, that came from you know for example in the Pac twelve. That only did they have like a, what a year and a half or two years of like no fans in the, or a year of no year of no fans a year of half the game so half the TV and then they made it worse by uh, uh, only having like I think it was I don't twenty percent whatever the percentage you could have the stadium full was it was yeah. all bad and so mm -hmm. as a result like their financials and a lot of those schools were really messed up and they just racked it up in various forms of debt and stuff like that. So a lot of our athletic programs are still, I think, moving it back to a state of normalcy financially. I mean, I know that number has gotten bigger. Wasn't it in the two thirties previously, actually that number. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, it, there's a couple of different numbers. Um, obviously there's one listed in the, the NCAA report. There's one listed probably the, the night commission probably has their own report. 
And then obviously the financial statements, it's like, it just depends on which one you want to, you want to use it. For they're all, yeah. They're all a little different. Yeah. So let's use this as a benchmark. The number that I see in the financial statement from June 30th, 2022 is $277 million. Okay. Yeah. And that's about pretty close. So that's, I mean, it's a lot. It puts you, it puts you up there. Like I said, it puts you up there with everybody who's done recent new stadiums. Um, yeah. You know, one, one of the other things with some of these schools uh, is that they, you know, some of them are just giant schools. They have huge cash flows. I mean, Cal is a beast, for example. So you look at Cal and you're just like, okay, 400, that's a ridiculous number, but like Cal can handle it. They've got like a thousand athletes there. Like it, it's yeah. a massive yeah. program that, you well, know. and not only that, but just the, the school budget itself is, is yeah. unbelievable. And that doesn't, it's even before you count the med school. So, which is not technically theirs, it's complicated, uh, all that. But exa- exactly. And so it, it's just a different thing. You know, you guys are kind of very middle of the road. You just, you have a lot of debt. Because the, the other thing with your stadium too, like San Diego State, they just built a new stadium. They spent a fortune on it. Yeah. But it is the stadium of San Diego. So yeah. like the MLS team is going to play there. Yeah. And the yeah. concert, Jimmy Buffett was there and all that. With with Bobby Dodd Stadium, you're one of many stadiums in Atlanta, and not you're not generating right re- you know constant stadium revenue just from the stadium. No, our yeah. other our other events that have happened, they've done a they did a uh, Liga MX friendly pat this past summer. I think Guns N' Roses was the last scheduled concert, and that was supposed to be April 2020. So there were supposed know. to be two in 2020. It yeah. was going to be BTS. And Guns N' Roses, right? That's right. Yeah, BTS was yeah. the other band that was going to come here. And then before that, it was Rolling Stones, but that was like 2011. Like, mm-hmm. it was yeah. ages ago. Well, Atlanta so. United played half a season there. And That's true. Cool. It was they supposed played to be a fun. game or two every year, but they just, yeah. don't, they just don't make it work. Yeah. Well, and, and the problem is now with Mercedes Stadium. That's a nice venue. Yeah. No, so it's like. They, 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 they get beat out just because that thing exists right there. If we play in there, we, we make use of it, but. That's not drawing, which is dumb. But that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, yeah that's a whole other subject. That's yeah. A, that's a, yeah, yeah. We've, I think we've beat that one, uh, beat that one a different <laughs> years. But uh, um, I think this is this is a good segue, right? Like w- we've talked, we're, we're sort of talking about how the stadium doesn't have non-game day revenues, and we've we've noted a couple of things in terms of you know other ways that the stadium can make money or has made money in the past, and I think. One of the things that we we should also note here is the recent conversion of the field to turf. Yeah, uh, yep. that has allowed you know less stuff to happen. Less, it allows more stuff to happen and less maintenance. Um, yeah. But on the subject, but that of, hasn't come to fruition the way we thought it would either. Not yet. It has really. not. No. Um, but it, the ability is there, right? I think there's. It was a, it was a that, big first step that had to happen because otherwise yeah. we're going to be redoing the grass every five months that we just had lose t- tons of time just from that. So. One, the way that I want to go with this is we talked about the stadium not making money. Let's shift a little bit over to talk about the, the major revenue programs and how those um, affect the budget and and how these expenses work um, as well. Tony, I know when we were we were preparing for this, you talked a little bit about the cash flow pro, pro, cash flow probability, excuse me, um, methodology that you have. Would you explain that a little bit for us? Sure. So uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2019, uh, my sort of small firm, we were working on a, a project or something else and, and had a question of, we're trying to really, th- really think about how athletic departments generate money and what would be some a better way to compare them. 
And we came up with this, this sort of, it's not the best term, we call it cash flow profitability to support the, depart- the rest of the department. So we, it kind of, uh, essentially, it, it's a formula that takes a lot of different inputs from a lot of different places and tries to estimate if the football and basketball teams, which are really the all of the revenue generators, uh, in fact, you can make an argument it should just be football, but really football and basketball, uh, were independent. How much profit would they be throwing off to the rest of the department? Because essentially everything else loses money. I mean, I... I know, you know, some people go to baseball games or hockey at some state schools and stuff like that. But in, in general, this is a pretty and we've walked through with some athletic department officials on this before and they love it. They find it fascinating because it's a pretty good look at how much profit really your football and basketball programs are throwing off again to support the, the whole rest of the department. And for you guys, when uh, and I'm pulling it up to really quick right there. Um, for you guys, I, I was really surprised it was a much smaller number uh, than I expected. Um, and, and I guess that, you know, part of that is because your your football team has not been doing well. Your basketball team has not been stellar. And so you know, you're just you're not putting butts in seats, which generates money. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the ACC TV contract is OK. It's not the Big Ten or SEC, but it's not as atrocious as, like, for example, a lot of the folks are saying on TV. Um, but it, w- this comes out to estimate that you guys are about 45, uh, 45 million in profits that are thrown off to support the rest of the department. You also have, by the way, have a very, and I, I, I imagine the debt is part of the reason, but you have a, a very overhead heavy yep. athletic budget as well. Um, but that puts you guys at about, you know, by three quarters of the way, you know, you're, you're at like the 25th percentile or something. So, you know, here on this chart, you're looking, you're between Utah, NC state, Virginia tech, Arizona, UCLA. Um, not good, uh, not awful, but not, not good enough to really throw cash off and to just pay down your debt and support your other sports. So, just to give us a little bit more context, I know you mentioned NC State. Where does the rest of the ACC stack up in that um, in that metric as well? Just for a comparison. Yeah. So you are. Uh, so this is uh, this does not include private schools because we don't have all the data from them. Um, they don't they don't file a lot of it. Uh, there now for Notre Dame and USC, I know enough about their athletic departments that I was able to just add them in. Um, so Notre Dame is one of the highest, uh, behind Ohio state and Texas up with Michigan and Texas A&M just, I mean, they, they, their football and basketball make it a fortune, mostly football. Uh, then, you know, you come down a ways, you've got, you know, the USC's, New Oklahoma's, New Auburn's, Illinois. Then you get to the ACC, the regular ACC, you get Clemson is kind of at about the 50% mark, you know, because you know, your TV contract isn't great, but you're uh you know, they're they're filling their stadium then louisville uh miami north carolina florida state you're not far behind florida state it goes arizona state florida state utah georgia tech so you're you're not great but i mean again it's not a true it's not rutgers or wazoo or oregon state where where it's a real problem number and yeah. you know this number i think is re- is really telling because you look at what's going on with washington state for example um i'm sure you guys have heard the 
Pac-12 had an issue where Comcast was overpaying them, so they have to pay. Yeah. So Wazoo's going to be, for example, on the hook for about five million. You know that that's real. That's really annoying for USC, but that's really hard for Wazoo. So, for example, in this yeah. metric, USC is at about eighty million. Uh, Washington State, who's having these budget issues, is at twenty-five. Hmm. So five million is easier to find when you're throwing off 85, 80 million than it is when you're throwing off twenty five. And again, you guys are at forty five. Okay. So what, one of the things that comes to mind for that, when especially when you're speaking about this to other like athletic department officials, how does finding that money in the couch cushions come to manifest? Is that um, is that realignment and openly seeking it? Is that cutting sports, God forbid, like how does, what solutions do they see to account not only for that, let's say that Wazoo $5 million shortfall, but that, but take Tech's $45 million to like Clemson's $70 million. It's butts in seats. You know, quite honestly, it, it's how do you make more money? I know this, not, this is easier to say than it yes. is to actually do, right? But like, how do you make more money to support the rest of the department? Um, and now there's, there's a couple ways, you know, and by the way, you can task, you know, sing every sport, you know, so, uh, athletic fundraising helps a lot. You know, can you, a school like you guys, for example, can you bring in donors? That's harder to do at like a Mac school or an SBC school, um, than it, than it might be, you know, for your school. Uh, but, but just in general, you look at every way you can increase the top line, I think is a, is a huge, a huge benefit. Um, and then, you know, at the bottom line, are there, are there things you can cut? And that becomes harder, uh, depending on what it is. But I also think one of the, one of the other things that you have to make a decision on and UCLA is always the great example. We did a whole show on the voice college football channel about UCLA's dodgy accounting. Um, but just sort of the way that we account for things in college athletics, uh, is a little bit dubious because we're usually overbilling the athletic department. Uh, because it's easier for the athletic department to fundraise, and it's just, it's just kind of the, and a lot of the ways that double entry accounting works, it just it just is what it is, and that's okay. Like for example, at USC, it's okay until you have problems and now have to complain about it, and then when you start to be like, okay, we can't keep dealing with this giant debt, or in UCLA's case, you know, we're going to have to cut sports or you know whatever. Then you have to really start to look at it and be like, all right, is there money that we are either not getting credit for that we should, or is there money that we are overpaying that we shouldn't? So, uh, and I don't know how you guys do, but for example, at UCLA, uh, parking revenue goes to the Department of Parking mm. for Pauley Pavilion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that parking money is for basketball. So before you talk about cutting sports, why don't you give the athletic department credit for the parking revenue that they are bringing in? You know, your goes uh, just to extend that too, especially with the ACC's recent announcement of their performance-based revenue sharing model. It, how can we sort of politic our way into increasing the amount of revenues that we get because we know that we are a certain level brand in our market? Exactly. And there's a lot, a lot of things like that. So when you look at the the actual school thing, now I think a lot of those are going to probably be tied to winning. Um, so I mean, always always the best thing you can do is win. Yeah. If you win, more people will come. You'll put butts in seats and it 
uh, it's not always that easy, but you know, it's certainly one of one of the big drivers of, of what can move things. Uh, the the other thing to really look at, um, and this is something that I believe heavily in, having dealt with athletic fundraising since I was a eighteen or nineteen year old student at USC, is that your athletics are used as a tool for fundraising. Yeah. So, for example, when you have a big fundraising gala dinner, um, and there's the you know the flaming yawn at the Ritz Carlton or or whatever. Um, that dinner might lose money because you're actually it's an auction or you know whatever whatever it is you're you're trying to do the big fundraising thing. In some ways, your athletic programs like are being used by the school as part of its giant capital campaigns. So, yep. for example, UCLA is sitting over there crying poor because a couple of years ago they lost twenty million dollars in their athletic budget. That's that uh, by their shady accounting. Um, however, they had fundraising that year of eight. Hundred million dollars. How much of that eight hundred million dollars involved fund? You know, donors schmoozing at the Rose Bowl at Poly Pavilion. Like, I'm not saying again that money was pro- given to the med school. It was given to the business. It was given to whatever. But you have to recognize that these athletic events are a core part of your fundraising and of your marketing. And so you need to find the money institutionally to keep that successful. It's the part of the front porch that doesn't get talked about as much, too, because usually when you think about that, it's the, oh, you know, Jake is watching. I'm going to use a real life example. Jake is watching ESPN at 8 p.m. on a fall night in 2015. Oh, my goodness. That ME school that's ranked really well just ran the kickback to beat undefeated Florida State. I'm going to apply the next day. That's what you think about when you think of the front porch. And it doesn't sell as much in the, you know. Oh, the business school raised X, Y, Z because somebody important was there watching that game too, or you know, just keeping people connected to the institution. Well, and, and the other the other thing, and they as they we they've done some studies on this, and I've read all kinds of academic studies on this, and they're often torn um, because and, and this is going to sound really juvenile, and I don't want, I hate to sound like juvenile like this, but it's like if you're a school that can make that work, then you can make it work, but not everybody can. So, for example, at USC, they can you, they can make it work like they and they're having and it's you know, you're on the sidelines and you're talking to Will Ferrell and George. Lu- you're a rich donor and the, you're, George Lucas is schmoozing you with Will Ferrell next to you. And, you know, they're they're doing it up and, and, and trying to earn it. There's a lot of schools that look at that and they're like, OK, and, and if you look in, in the academic literature, this is why it's so split is because it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, with the, for example, the applications thing, that stuff is fascinatingly varies because one of the things that happens is when you win, your applications go up. But it sounds really mean to say, but like a lot of it is from students that aren't going to get in anyway. True. Um, yeah. And so you're not expanding the student access yeah, pool. There's no more dorms getting built instantly because yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Now, now, from a ranking standpoint, it's good to have it sounds really, again, terrible to say, but like. If you're trying to improve your rankings, which of course you guys are, it's it's good to have a higher rejection rate. But you know, the question is, is this something that can really are you trying to build, are you trying to grow? What are you trying to do with the demographics of the school? One of the other big things, it's a huge issue. Um, and it's gonna affect college budgets like crazy. And this is where you know you look at your debt and it's a potential issue, 
it probably less affecting Georgia Tech as maybe Georgia State or Georgia Southern. But um, when the 2008 recession hit, people stopped having babies. So yeah, there is a true. demographic cliff that in 2026 mm-hmm. is just about to plunge the number of actual college students. It's already sort of hitting demographically, but 2026 is a cliff. So, for example, USC is twice as big as it was when I was there. Um, now they're going to they're USC. They're going to they're going to do fine. Yeah, you're Georgia Tech. You're going to do fine. Yeah, but like, and we're just making this up, right? Is where are those kids who weren't born and therefore aren't going to school not going to be going to school? Because right now those are going to get hurt while the University of Illinois is going to be fine is what you're saying. Yeah. And you're so you're already seeing it with some division three colleges and stuff who are already dying because the big schools and the the more elite schools have been growing. Exactly. They've been blowing up. That probably shrinks so they get a bigger literal portion of what's already choking those schools. But when we hit that fit, that demographic cliff in two years, uh, and if you guys follow Scott Galloway, he's a brilliant professor, awesome guy from NYU. Yep. I love, we, Jake and I have like the exact same taste in like podcasters and everything. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. But like, yeah, like, and he talks about it a lot. Like th- there's a cliff coming and it's going to kill these schools. And, and when it does, there's a lot of athletic departments that are more financially precarious and that are, you know, off Ken- Kennesaw state, for example, uh, who I love, I love Kennesaw state. You get, they're doing awesome stuff, yeah. but they have a huge subsidy from the school, which is cool because they can totally afford it. Will that be sustainable? I don't, I don't, Kennesaw state. I'm sure they're awesome. They'll find a way to do it. Uh, Cause they're really smart and great people. But the, you look at some a huge school. Yeah, exactly. They can do it. But some of these schools that are going to see their enrollments come off a cliff may have may have more struggles for that. Um, and schools, by the way, I also think are going to become less selective, right? Because mm-hmm. there's fewer kids to reject. So there's there's going to be a lot of changes in the demographics, and that's going to affect the finances, which is then going to affect the money being thrown at uh, at athletics. Right at the same time, we will probably be hitting massive changes in the overall model of athletics so for example if you guys think about you know if you look at the nfl model what is i forget now what what do the nfl players get 48 percent of revenue it's close to yeah somewhere yeah, between 40 and 49 like 50 50 split in it yeah. yeah it's like yeah. a 50 50 split so if we just think about what would it what would happen if say georgia tech athletes were getting 50 percent of revenue because they went to collective bargaining you know you all of a sudden yeah, there's yeah. a lot of as the model changes, having a huge debt load is a, becomes concerning. Yeah, that would. And I guess that's true of, it, of any company or person or anything in life. But yeah, yeah, you change your revenue, it don't change what has to go out, and that either greatly helps you or does something that you do not want to even think about dealing with. Um, and we've had, I mean, thankfully our AD hire was focused on solving this problem. Like that was it a a. You a, couldn't have found a much better one. Yeah, we so far bats done well, and just tangentially of people that I've talked with, it's like. There's a lot of people that are going to be back in seats this football. Season. Unless he just happens to decide that you guys are so full of problems, he'd love to come to USC. Oh. Call Doctor Fold. We're gonna we're just gonna cut that actually. Probably. I'm just teasing. <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Again, I'm start just knocking on wood, Jack. What did I tell you? <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. 
Uh, but, but I think that's a good point, Jack, right? Like that's in addition to winning, emphasizing that fundraising, that generating money from your sharks, to use a gambling term, like generating money from your sharks that spend a lot on the expensive seats, the boxes, the the fancy drinks at the uh, at the uh, baseball game or what what have you, like making sure that you're able to effectively schmooze them and get the amount of value that you need from them in order to balance your budget is part of the job. And it's part of how Georgia Tech can dig themselves out of this ditch. And, uh, and Tony, you'd mentioned earlier, like Tech's fundraising uh, is not at the level of any of its academic peers whatsoever right well it, it wasn't as of a couple of years ago i understand you guys are doing the capital campaign now yeah right. it's yeah. it's called transforming the calculus tomorrow. a little bit and yeah but That's... but i mean the thing the thing is is if you can you know get that stuff back on track you get your fun you know you, you've got more fundraising you know again it's when when you can get the school rise. the other thing i always find with these schools you know we talk about a rising tide floats all boats but it's true of everything in this school. When you get like school leadership that is focused on, we're going to do everything. Everything is going to be excellent. Everything is going to be better. We're going to have, you know, the academics are being better. We're getting better faculty. We're going to win in sports. We're going to have better student light, like all this stuff. It sounds like a campaign ad, but like yeah. literally everything <laughs> starts rising and, and then, and the donations are rolling it and there's, and then there's money for the, Fix the problems and that brings better students and, and all this stuff just keeps snowballing in success. And 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 that's the thing too that I, I think the the national media, if you will, to the extent it actually gives Georgia Tech any attention, really misses is that I have great confidence. We talked about Jay Batch just a little bit, but I have great confidence in Dr. Angel Cabrera as a yeah. who's he seems really president. awesome. He is. Fall he is. of 2019. I mean phenomenal human but also says all the right stuff and in everything that i've heard from him from people who talk to him from things that are conveyed through the organizations that i remain involved with tangentially be it you know folks at from the rumble seat or my involvements in organizations and things like that he's doing the right things with the right people to get donors aligned and to invest in important things at the school be they sports or otherwise um, and, and I think that really gets missed when a lot of people just are like, oh, Georgia Tech's in debt and Jeff Collins was bad. Guess they're done forever. Like, that, that's just not the. Oh, the, and that happens. Well, it doesn't. It happens well, a number of I'm, times. I'm adding a very specific podcast right now because they will not let it die. Uh, Akshay and Jack, you, we've talked yeah. about this enough times. Uh, yeah. But but I mean, and, and to tie it back to the original point. I'm not too concerned about that number relatively with the campaign, specifically because that number in 2020, as we discussed before we came on air too, um, comes from immediately after a big athletics fundraising push that exceeded its goal by $50 million um, out of a $125 million campaign, which is a pretty significant amount um, for all Todd Stansbury's now let go faults. Fundraising, he did all right. Yeah, that's a good um, thing and it was before the public launch of Transforming Tomorrow, which only came out. Actually, was that last fall, spring? Fall. Oh, I don't know. It was very relatively recent. since 2020. Um, and and for all that has been put out there, you know, they're a decent chunk into that because as I've learned since this has been started, they don't start this campaign with zero dollars in the scope. We're gonna raise two bill. Like no, they got half of all it. All right, Mr. Grant, Mr. Eshwaran, and Mr. Purdy. Do you cut us a check? No, they they've got 
hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank already. So. Well, and the other the other thing, quite honestly, and, and it sounds bad, but we're we're in Georgia Tech family, so we can talk about this. Is being Georgia Tech, you guys have every advantage in the world. You are an elite AAU school with generations of old school tech people, wealthy alums. You're in a, this your city that you're in is a market that dreams are made of. Hey, there's five out of you six have, Georgia Tech grads, or no, six out of five Georgia Tech grads are millionaires, or whatever it is. These days. I believe it. I believe. It. But I mean, I mean, if you think about, like, I mean, let's give an example of a school that's doing amazing stuff. Boise State. Jeremiah Dickey is a phenomenal AD. He's doing great stuff at Boise State. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to work a whole lot harder than Georgia Tech does to get to level of success. That's true. And so you do have that advantage. And so I'll, I'll tell you also, and this is probably a whole other can of worms. I'm sure you guys talk about all the time, but like from a, from a realignment standpoint, I don't know of a more big 10 team in the South than Georgia tech. Yes. Yes. But the hard thing, I mean, North Carolina, North Carolina probably, but the hard thing is sure, sure. you guys, your, your, your program is so far down and not relevant that they need to, they need to get it back in gear. Like if Georgia the the old school Georgia Tech and it doesn't have to be 1990, but you just even go back not that long ago, yeah. um, that Georgia Tech would be like in everyone's realignment dreams right now. And 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 I mean and the other thing too with, with you guys as well when you think about it whether I mean that that might be more of a pipe dream who knows. But there might be opportunities, for example, the idea, as I talk to Pac-12 people, because they deal with Pac-12 people all the time, they look at some of the ideas that people talk about, like, could we partner the Pac-12 and the ACC? The Coastal Conference. Yeah, but but, but I mean, like the Cal and the Stanford, they're like, ooh, we love Georgia Tech and North Carolina and Duke. Like, those... Those schools are... Those are schools that we like, that that understand us and our DNA. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of potential there who knows what it'll be as the world changes. Um, but certainly a lot of, a lot of opportunity for synergies of, of very like schools. Well, and, and when you, when you say the big 10 thing, I think a lot of people instantly will roll their eyes, but I say this as a northerner transplant to Atlanta, there are hundreds of thousands of us. I, I live with one, uh, you know, in this very house, um, most of, most of my like friends from on the swim club side are northerners, transplanted to the south and that doesn't even count the people who come after college a, a place that Akshay and i go probably too often is just a casually a michigan state bar like you know it, I, I could tell you more about like oh that place is a michigan bar oh that's a michigan state bar before i could tell you just about any other school other than the boys from athens and ladies from athens up the road like the, it's it's Weird to say it's Big Ten country, but Atlanta just keeps getting put on lists of best place to start a career after school. Atlanta is a great it's a it's a great city, and, and also that, yeah, yeah. Well, and, whether and, that's SEC or ACC or or Big Ten or really anything, I mean, it it's a big you know. So, know but who knows? Them. But but I think that for you guys, it's almost helpful if there is a bit of a pause on whatever's happening in yeah. the world and keep the ACC locked in together and everything like that give you guys a pause for the great things that the J-Bot and Unico and everybody are doing to hopefully get you guys, get you guys in your normal state, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Give it, we do this conversation again in two years, maybe even just in six months, hopefully once football's rolling, the outlook is guaranteed to be a little bit different 
as once board grander writes so Win- winning solves problems winning solves uh, a lot of problems yeah yeah that's been, that's that's been the thing the, the 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 joke was brent key the top 10 list of brent key wins was that there was nine like it jeff was, collins, like, jeff jeff collins. collins. Brent Co- oh jesus christ there's only four brent key wins which is you know incredibly yeah. i'll be honest that's more than i thought there were gonna be uh, yeah josh downs is to thank for that one um but yeah no it, it's it functionally is going to be very different really soon for hopefully our own reasons, but the outside world seems to be moving at a frantic pace still at the same time. It is, but the thing is, is you have every advantage, so if you can harness it, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, and, and the and the problem right now is Georgia Tech is not like completely bereft of athletic success. I mean, no. I, I I have qualms with how they presented the every women's team made the NCAA championships in their sport kind of thing because it includes track and swimming where there's like one person that made it kind of thing. But like that literally that was both a, cases a, one person a legitimate a legitimate thing that happened. Volleyball was in the elite eight. Like it's a it, but you only sell twelve you sell out every game, but you're only selling twelve hundred tickets. You're not moving the needle for a lot of people. You know, golf is playing right now as we speak in the final four. I literally uh, have the tab open on a second screen right yeah, now. Me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, all of us do. <laughs> but no, like it, it's not bereft. It's just you know the 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 big football, much spilled ink. Men's basketball. I love Josh Pastner as a dude, but he was out. You know, and baseball. Obviously, the one that's probably the most put together of the three uh, was famously underperforming with top ten classes the last. Decades at this point, like it's been 15, 17 years since we were in a super. Like, Ouch. I say in my Matt Weeders T-shirt, you know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, if they can get some of that back and get and and the thing about football and basketball is they have the potential to add to the revenue line. Yeah. Um, and also, by the way, enhance like we talked about, you know, with everything. How do you get everything to snowball? Also, enhance the broader fundraising and the front porch aspect and the excitement. Um, and, and the thing with Atlanta and, and I forgive me cause I'm not Atlanta, but every big city that I've known, uh, when you're winning, it's the place to be. Yep. That's what happened. And when, yep. and when you're not relevant, it's the worst place to be because there's lots of things for everyone else to do. Yep. Falcons games attendance has been not great because we haven't made the playoffs since a game I won't talk about. Um, and then when soccer got big here, that, that was 45,000 routinely every week. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Yeah, people so. are lining up for random Braves games on a Tuesday because what they're good, but the Hawks aren't drawn in the same way. The Falcons are drawn in the same way. Like it's yeah. not when everyone you... could be the Cubs and sell thirty five thousand seats when it's thirty five degrees in April just because your ballpark's a treasure. Like that's just not the reality that most yeah. teams or, play it. Or Nebraska. So when yeah. we when we were looking yeah. at school, yeah, we were looking at schools with no. They are the only major school with no debt and no subsidy. They sell out their stadium, and they have been atrocious. Yep, especially compared to their expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh, compared to their expectations, there's there's not a word for how much they feel compared <laughs> to their expectations. <laughs> but I mean, but no, but like kudos to them. Like, I mean, you look at you know, yep. great Seriously. athletic park. Um, they're they're not sitting with a giant albatross of an empty upper deck in the the north end zone. Yeah, and they're they just sold eighty thousand tickets to a volleyball game this fall. By the way, I. How amazing is that? That's incredible. It's incredible stuff. Go Huskers. I, I think that's same, a but... great – I think Go Huskers is somehow the best <laughs> possible place to leave us. Okay, Thank you. You're right. You're right. Thank so. you, Tony, for your time today. Where can people find you? What are you working on? 
Uh, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at TJ Altimore. It's like Baltimore with no B, TJ Altimore. Um, or you or uh, I help co-host things with the Voice of College Football Channel. So this week, for example, we're doing a deep dive into Oregon, which will be really interesting, uh, and do their USC post games. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and we will get rolling to our normally scheduled show right after this short break. This short break is brought to you by Section103.com. Section103 is the very best place to find Georgia Tech apparel. And even though I'm sadly not in it today, I did have to change things up because I wear the same four shirts on our podcasts every week. Um, it is the very best place to find the Georgia Tech stuff for the special Georgia Tech fan in your life, including yourself. Uh, sometimes it's important to treat yourself. If you are going to treat yourself, remember, free shipping on orders over 70 bucks every day. Keep an eye out for new merch. Uh, I know that we're at the tail end of baseball season, but uh, for the year, you can always find uh, the, the Georgia Tech jacket script, uh, as well as the baseball jersey-inspired Tech Zip hoodie, which is uh, quite a, a, a highly recommendable piece of merchandise i say owning one myself as always check them out at section 103.com and at section 103 on twitter welcome back to signs of southland for may 30th that was a very fun conversation uh, with mr aldemore wouldn't you say folks but now add let's talk a little bit about the end of the baseball season georgia tech had one job to make the to make the ACC semifinals. It had to win both of its games. Mr. Purdy, do you want to tell me how that went? It it didn't go the it, it the the wrong thing happened both times. Critically, we had to win the first one. That basically did us in because of after habits. doing three wrong things against Virginia too. We didn't we didn't give ourselves any leeway for error. No, yeah, we had to I mean just the just the stakes were you had to win both games, and, and you because of how the tiebreakers work, losing one basically did us in. And so once we had lost that first game against what Virginia was first before North Carolina, right? Um, or whoever, or the other way around, North, North Carolina was first. Yeah, once we lost North Carolina, the Virginia game effectively had no standing in the rest of the season, as in just the, the last of the season. I just gotta say, to, oh, sorry, actually, go ahead. Sorry, just to contextualize the tiebreakers for anyone that doesn't remember the high in in any event of a tie in the standings in pool play. The higher seed advances. Tech was the 11th seed. They were the lowest seed in their pool, which means that they had to win both games in order to advance to a semifinal. There you go. Mr. Grant, please continue. Yeah, uh, I was out last week uh, taking some much-earned uh, personal time, um, you know, out of out of Atlanta, as much as I love this city. Um, and I got to say, you boys were a little more rosy uh, on baseball than I probably would have been in terms of their postseason chances. Um, not to rehash that because, you know, they are where they are. And I think it's probably best to say we await the official announcement of the summer leagues and potentially draft type prospects. And um, how do I say? We wish uh, Mr. Burrell, Coach Burrell, uh, all the best. Yes. In, uh, mm -hmm. in how all that shakes out. Yes, that is also the major news of the end of the baseball season. Danny Burrell uh, has been let go after four seasons as Georgia Tech's pitching coach. And Danny Hall has been retained for at least next year. 
Um, his contract runs until 2025, the end of the 2025 season. Danny Burrell's contract also ran until the end of the 2025 season. Um, but obviously that buyout is being paid out here. I mean, Danny Hall got the DVC, the dreaded vote of confidence. So I, I, I don't know, man. I, uh, I can't say it's too surprising to see Burrell gone, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm very interested in this hire, but I think we're still uh, some time away uh, from figuring out who the new guy would be considering regionals are still not even played. Yeah. Sunday was literally two days ago um, yeah. on the baseball side. <laughs> the softball tournament is going well. It's almost women's college world series time. So that's great for them, but obviously not involved in that either. We're definitely stalling for time waiting for the golf results. So let's move on to the NCAA tournament in tennis. Mr. Grant, rapid recap for me, please. Yes. So we had several players in action at NCAAs. Uh, on the women's side, we had Kylie Bilchev and Carol Lee. Uh, Kylie played in the first round, lost in three sets, 6-4, 7-6, and 6-4 to Ariana Arsenault from Auburn, uh, one thing I noted looking over the recap, because I was uh, unfortunately unable to watch this live, very long weather delay, uh, very long weather delay, um, which certainly hurts. And, you know, clearly it was a very back and forth match. Um, I, you know, Didn't they play maybe. inside by the time they got to that match? Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. for more podcasting context, this tournament was held in Florida. I believe it was, uh, I think it was in Orlando. Yeah. USDA uh, Center. Yeah. Yeah, so it was in Orlando, and for some godforsaken reason, they tried to play these games outside. Uh, they realized, like, very quickly that day, because this was, at, I believe this was the, they delayed until our, basically our recording time um, that day. They realized very quickly that day that that, that was not going to happen. They pushed all the games back starting at, like, noon and played all of them inside. Um, and, yeah, uh, Bilchev's match did not start until, like, 8.30 p.m. that day. Um, so... Uh, it was a very, very, very long weather delay for her, um, and that I'm sure did did not help. <laughs> Surely, yeah. I I will say the UTS or USTA Center that was where we played the nationally televised UGA match a couple of years ago, right? Akshay, oh well, I think that's where. All right, don't look at me. I, I, I don't know. We don't play down there too often, but I'm pretty sure last time we did, it was on Tennis Channel, so go figure. Um, not that it really matters. Uh, that's just me being memory uh, memory lane, if you will. Um, anyways, more tennis results. We had Kara Lee also playing singles. Uh, she won uh, the first round against Mary Metal of UCF in two 6-4 uh, sets. Uh, I believe that was their third matchup of the year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um a lot of familiarity there at the very least. Uh, round of 16, beat Carolyn and Sari of Auburn. Uh, lost the first set 3-6 and then came back to win 7-5-6-0. Uh, so really cleaned up there. And then the quarters lost 6-4-6-3 to Amelia Rejecki from NC State University. Uh, on the men's side, Andres Martin lost in the first round to Michael Braswell of Texas. Uh, Texas is a very good tennis program. Uh, that was a 6-2-6-3 loss. And then Martin and... Marcus McDaniel uh, in doubles. I mean, this is kind of like the, the performance we've been waiting for uh, from the men's team all year. Uh, they went very deep uh, in into the doubles tournament. They won in the first round 
over a duo from Vanderbilt in the second round. They won in two sets over a duo from Michigan State and then a duo uh, from Michigan in the quarters. They lost in the semis uh, against Texas. I got one comment. Please put the score in the recap. Unless I'm blind, boys, uh, and I missed that, uh, I think that would be one nice thing to have, but they did, in fact, lose uh, to, to Texas in the semis. But great run, really deep run. Uh, it's something we've really been waiting to see from the two of them this year. Yeah, it was especially because I remember seeing that Martin result when we recorded last week, and I was a bit disappointed, especially because it came out that he was the sixth the sixth ranked player nationally, uh, like literally the day before yeah. uh, the start of the tournament uh, by the ITA. And so he, to get eliminated in straight sets, granted it's by, by a player from Texas is a bit disappointing, but they stormed Martin and McDaniel stormed back in the doubles tournament. They really did. Yeah. That's obviously got to be, got to be respected. Uh, they put together a really, really good performance there. So final tally for tech, uh, in terms of the tennis NCAA tournaments, Carol Lee, uh, quarterfinalist, pretty good, uh, and on uh, and Marcus and Mc, uh, Marcus McDaniel and Andres Martin, double semifinalist. Honestly, I think that's that's definitely better than we would have prognosticated earlier this year. I don't remember. That's probably before. better than I would have prognosticated yeah. before the tournament started. Yeah, no, I, that too. Yeah, I will say I I expected the men to make the team tournament. Uh, so I'm not going to let them off altogether there, but oh, in, yeah, terms, just, true. in terms of the doubles performance, I mean, it getting what top, top four in the country, you can't complain about that. And, yeah, and yeah. Carol Lee had great uh, performance in the fall too. Can't forget about that. They, they The men went deep in the fall too, I think. Um, or maybe that was last year and the years all just started to run together. I feel like Mar- uh, Marcus and Andres have been playing at tech since approximately 2004. Um, but you know, it, it, they've been really good in their time on the flats. So props to them. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think both of them are seniors, right? I don't know if they have more eligibility left. Andres, I think Andres is a junior question mark. The, the COVID year in there COVID, too. Don't forget mm-hmm. the COVID rule year. They're, they're still COVID it up. Yeah. These, these are, we're still in debt. We're, we haven't left it yet. We're still there. We're not out of it. But we are moving on to the next segment uh, and talking about track and field. Mr. Grant, you have the con once again. Um, Sorry, I was watching the golf hole and I was a little sad. Anyways, track and field. Uh, Jameer Gibson, uh, one of Tech's, dare I say, in the young transfer portal era as it pertains to other sports, one of Tech's best transfers in quite some time uh, up there, you know, with Ross Steelman, who I was just watching golf. uh, But he qualified... Uh, on his grad transfer year uh, in two events for NCAAs. Uh, he was second all time in the men's uh, outdoor. Oh my gosh, was it shot put or discus? Boys, somebody bail me out. Look it up. But um, in that performance, he got 10th, uh, 18.9 meters. Uh, he also qualified for nationals. Uh, like I said, shot put and discus. I forget which result is which. Shame on me. Um finishing 12th as well. He's the first double event qualifier since 2009, which interestingly was also uh, in shot put and discus, and that would be Steve Marcelli. Um, So congrats to him for that. And then you also had Zach Yeager qualifying in the 3000 meter steeplechase. In my personal opinion, track's most interesting event. Uh, He finished ninth uh, and came back real quick. Uh, I think he got fourth in his seat uh, and went in 847.47. Uh, one note, these are, if I understand it, okay, so the men's 
stuff was the outdoor championships. The women were in the East preliminaries. The Jameer Gibson, uh, 55.14 meters mark and 12th overall was in discus. He did qualify for the NCAA, The or he did. Oh, this was also East preliminaries. This is so confusing. Um, yeah, they're all East preliminaries, and he qualified in the shot put and the discus. I just can't remember how far each one goes when you throw it. Discus was 55 meters. Okay. So the that shot makes sense. would have been the other one. Shot putt's real heady. So yeah, yeah that's so a, that's a short one. Also mentioned here, John Watkins in the men's triple jump um, finished 20th overall. Flipping over to the women's, uh, as I scroll very quickly, um, we had scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, Shanti Babacasta in the women's high jump. She finished in 17th with a mark of 1.72 meters. Uh, and Helena Lindsay was the uh, was the second person in the steeplechase to complete this week uh, across all yellow jackets. She was in the 3,000 meters and recorded a time of 10.52.65. Uh, no place listed there. So uh, I think uh, we have our finalists for NCAAs and Jameer Gibson and I think you said Zach Traeger. Yep, Zach Yeager. Zach Yeager, yeah. Zach Yeager. I'm thinking of Parks and Rec, unfortunately. Two, two guys made it. That's great. I think last year yeah. we only had Nicole Feagans, right? It was just Nicole. Yeah, that was it. Good. And it's both from the men's side. That changes things up a little bit nicely. Mm-hmm. Like you said, good transfer portal acquisition uh, and not in revenue sport. There you go. Gentlemen, it's time for the topic du jour of which both of us all three of us, all three watching, of us, all three of us are watching in the background. Well, I guess I don't have the actual stream up. I just have I'm, I'm scoreboard watching this too. That's I'm what scoreboard I've been watching. Yeah, it's time to talk about Georgia Tech men's golf at the NCAA tournament. The full or, or like the final, the NCAA fi- tournament final. Um, they made it through three rounds of stroke play, and that finished up yesterday. Your final tallies for the weekend: Crystal Lamprecht tied for twentieth at six over. Connor Howe tied for 29th at four over. Hiroshi Tai tied for 58th at 10 over. Bartley Forrester tied for 55th at nine over. You will notice that I left one name out. That is Ross Steelman. And the story Mm. with Ross is Mm. one of Shakespearean tragedy. He led for almost the entire weekend up until the final two holes of individual play he went bogey 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 on his last three holes he dropped three strokes uh on the day to go from nine nine under to six under and lose the individual title in the last i don't know 30 minutes of play yep basically i i teed myself up with the jameer gibson uh comment about non-rev transfer portals you know ross steelman's a transfer from missouri right yeah he is yeah yeah, he's up. He's up there too. Um, certainly, yeah. certainly up there too. Uh, he had a phenomenal individual performance, and golf is a hard game. I say as somebody who's very terrible at it. Um, so you know that I, I am not going to fault him for punching his ticket. Guaranteed uh, starts on the Corn Ferry Tour next year. So that's uh, that's really good to see. I, I I mean, you you missed the Masters birth, which poor guy. Yeah, yeah. you know that's. Uh, Again, a second place is is no no easy feat either. 
All right, so let's move on to the quarterfinals. Tech as a team finished fifth in stroke play, which means that they advanced to the field of eight. So quarterfinals started at noon earlier today. Tech faced off against the four-seed Pepperdine. Here's how things went. How Connor Howe was first up. Uh, he took a two-and-one loss. Crystal Lamprecht, another loss, a four-and-three. Bartley Forrester picked up the first win, a two-and-one. Ross Steelman bounced back from his rough individual play ending to pick up a five-and-four dominating, dominating win in that one. A really good bounce back. So it came down to Hiroshi Tai. And it also went to extra holes. And in the end, <laughs> after one extra hole, Tech triumphed. Hiroshi Tai broke the tie. And Tech advanced uh -huh. with a score of 3-2 to face off against number one seed North Carolina. That started approximately 4-30 today and is still ongoing. So here are the most recent scores that I can give you. Georgia Tech is up 2-1 at, at overall. Uh, Minotti of UNC took a 6-5 decision over Christo Lamprecht. Christo, really good business decision today. He's tanking for a better draft pick, but I think that's where we'll leave it. Um, Burnett of UNC took a 4-2 four loss to Bartley Forrester. Greaser, hell of a name, took a 4-2 loss to Connor Howe. There are two matches remaining to decide this i don't really know what to call it other than a match for match you can call it a match that's what it is um you know mat sub matches of a bigger match it's it's all squares and rectangles here um ford of unc is up one on hiroshi tai through 14 and fountain of unc is down one through 14 to the aforementioned ross steelman they just need to win one yeah your, your knock one. on wood, please. Just one, please. Just one. The desk please. is the desk is wood. I I know what I'm doing. Just um, the one. Eight. I'll note. I'll note from a uh, Hiroshi Tai's match or in the quarterfinal to win on that 19th hole. He, him and the guy who was facing, they both hit their second shot. They hit their approach shots in the, about the same area to the hole, except Tai's was just a few feet closer, but on the same exact line as the Pepperdine guy he was facing. So he got the best read of the day probably because it was the exact same putt and just needed to hit it and he put it center cup in the back so there, a lot of that match kind of came down to the fact that the Pepperdine guy just hit the ball in probably the least optimal spot if he was going to be 22 feet away compared to Ty who was like 14 feet away so he took advantage like, of a I feel like these greens have been real speedy from what I can tell yeah they've been, they've been pretty fast they've been pretty fast also note that uh uh, the top line guy for UNC Minante was a former Pepperdine guy. So we were going to face that guy Ooh. no matter what today. Spicy. Uh, just uh -huh. an update from the other semifinal. They are into two playoff holes in the final pairing between Castillo and Roberts of Florida and FSU respectively. We were very close to getting an all ACC final uh, with Florida taking out UVA earlier today, but yeah. last uh, here we Only are. one blue and orange school can make it to the final four. Sorry, <laughs> Illinois. Sorry, UVA. Whoops. And sorry, Pepperdine. Yeah, Pepperdine too. Pepperdine yeah. too. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that either. Um, honestly, we will probably be re-recording this or, or adding an addendum to this later once this finishes up. But for now, that's where we can leave it. Uh, 
I'm not even going to mention what's next uh, pending some sort of chaotic result down the stretch here for Ty and Steelman. Let's move on. Let's start wrapping up. Club sports are over. It's the summer. Graduation has happened. Graduation happened a long time ago. Yeah. Survivor is also over. Oh. Pretty. Talk to me. Oh. Well, Carson got fourth uh, last week in the finale. Is the second one voted not voted out he lost in a fire making challenge because that's the uh the basically how you the fourth the four that's how fourth place is determined uh with how this game shakes out um it was he played a really good game he was on he he said it himself to me in my interview um that he he thought he was the most likely guy to win when it came to it so um they got they got rid of him at the right point if you want to put it that way but uh yeah we were talking and then uh the CBS media lady that was chauffeuring our interview on Zoom uh, was like, hey, uh, I got to cut you off. We got someone that needs to show up and get in the Zoom call. And then uh, Sia showed up, which if you don't, if it seems weird that Sia would show up on a Survivor virtual interview is because she's a massive fan. And back when they did live finales uh, for the show, like in Los Angeles, she would show up and give a hundred grand to whoever didn't win that was her favorite that she could tell needed some help. And that just was someone that inspired her. Uh, now she's expanded just to three people that get prizes of varying degrees of money, and she came on and gave Carson $15,000 to help pay for school. So, uh, And it will be a recurring gift also as whenever she can provide it. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's just Sia's way. It's, it's one of Sia's really cool ways of giving back to people that are just normal Joes like us. Then they go play Survivor and have a life-changing experience, but also inspire millions because, I mean, that, that show draws a ton of, ton of eyeballs. I saw a thing that for the under fifty demo, it's got it had the, mo- the highest ratings of any Wednesday night or whatever. It, it was a very good report of how many eyeballs um, survivors getting in the under forty demographic, um, which has helped because of streaming. So, uh, yeah, it was really it was really cool. One of the cooler moments I've ever had in my life. We put it on YouTube. We, I made a YouTube channel for us just so that I could post it. So we have a YouTube channel now, which hopefully we'll actually start like putting things on. Maybe something from this podcast too. I noticed that it's now in our in our conclusion section. Yes. Yes. Uh, is that our, uh, I'm, I'm rusty. It's been like two weeks since I've done this. Yeah. You're going to have to, you're going to have to run through this one with a di- with edits too. So, yeah. Uh, so anyways, Jack, you did me a favor on making it at least the same handle as Facebook and Instagram. So I'll start there. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, at from the rumble seat, just spell it out all one word, all lowercase, all that good stuff. Um, you can find us there. You can find us on Twitter at FTRS blog. Uh, I'm at Jake Grant 98. Jack is at Jack Nicholas. You can find section 103 on Twitter as well. They're awesome. We love them. Go check them out at section 103 and section103.com. As always, from the rumble seat.com is the very best place to find uh, all the great stuff we put out uh, as we roll into summer. The 100 days uh, till kickoff have started. It's wild. The previous spring sports aren't even over yet. We got track and field nationals coming up soon, too. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll keep rolling through the summer here uh, as alongside all the written work that we put out uh, on the site. Uh, you can email us your suggestions at from the rumble seat at gmail.com questions, comments, concerns. Uh, you know, just check us out. We, we appreciate the feedback and we want to hear. We want to make the content you guys want to hear. Uh, you can also comment on the website as well. You can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed, rate, review, tell your friends. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And as always, good night, good luck. And I mean this as thoroughly as ever. Go Jackets. Go get them boys out in Greyhawk.
Sons of the Southland, we're back for an addendum on the golf part of our May 30th episode. Mr. He didn't even let me get through the introduction. I was going to be all cryptic. And Too I was exciting. Yes, Georgia Tech has advanced to the national championship match by a score of three to two. It took a Herculean effort, honestly, from Ross Steelman, the same Ross Steelman. It, it that, really did. That had a rough go of it. Uh, on the back three holes yesterday, um, I'm exhausted. That is agonizing, agonizingly stressful golf. And we're not even the ones that went to extra holes. No, we weren't. No, Florida State and Florida had to go to 21 holes or something like that. 21, 22 holes. 21 sudden death holes. That's incredible stuff there. Yeah, so we're, we're facing Florida. Um, yes, they will be. Georgia Tech, uh, as the five seed, will be facing off against the two seed Florida tomorrow, May 31st. So today, when you're hearing this, that is, what is that, a 5 p.m. start? Yeah, I think 5 p.m. Uh, EST, right? So 2 p.m. local time out there. In yeah, Arizona. so probably like a 4.35 start time um, for the actual tournament. The TV coverage will kick on yep. um, at 5 on the Golf Channel. So um, we'll get we'll get this audio packaged up. Uh, and to y'all well before then, um, no real preview here. Um, not even, not even, uh, a really short I mean, high level one. Um, here's, here's some of the scores at least, uh, just so you have an idea of what to expect. Uh, Cress lost three and one, uh, to FSU Biondi, our old foe Biondi who edged, uh, Steelman for the individual title mm -hmm. was one up, um, versus Anderson to take that. He had got absolutely nuked in the quarterfinal, though. He was down significantly. Um, and, you know, his team salvaged his poor performance. Yep. Um, Dubois uh, for Florida was also one up. Uh, Lynn lost six to five versus Florida. And then Castillo or Castillo. I don't, they pronounce That's his name. That's a Castillo, really I think. Yeah, they, they pronounce his name really weird. Um, took 21 holes for um, to beat Roberts of FSU. Uh, so we're. We're in for a match. We're in for definitely some match play golf. That that's really all I got. I'm like legitimately exhausted. What, what I like about this is if Florida keeps their five in the same order and Tech keeps their five in the same order, which for us I very much assume that we will. Um, Lamprecht and Ty, who both lost matches to UNC, are facing guys that lost their matches to Florida State. Um, so, and it's obviously it's, you can't go one to one and comparing that and how they're well they're going to do and predicting everything, but. That's at least some semblance of like, okay, they might do a little bit better there, or at least have a better shot here. Although Hiroshi was so close, like he was on 18 green, he really he had a really really difficult putt to salvage the another extra hole like this morning. Um, that left that the left hand side of the green there at Greyhawk just goes down really quickly and cuts. It's kind of hard to read the cut, so I don't blame him for missing the putt necessarily, but. Yeah, Ross on Steelman's putt on seventeen though, like holy crap, that was the thing that I mean. Ultimately, I mean, not that it saved it, we were winning, but he they mentioned on the broadcast no one had birdied from laying while laying up on seventeen, which he did after UNC's guy almost drove the green, um, and had a, just a chip. He just had a chip to make it to to get on the green, um, and he buried a very good like nineteen footer, um. And then and then UNC's putt there does a 360 around the cup and still goes in. So we were mere inches. I mean, Steelman's had just this up such an up and down thing. This is where the format 
I am grateful exists as it is because at least Steelman had a shot to rebound from yesterday and play some insane golf after just, just barely not pulling out the individual title. And Lord knows what will happen tomorrow. I know y'all are way more the superstitious on this than I am, but I personally, speaking as Jack Purdy, say from the Rebel word. Do not. I am a confident human being. Nothing. I'm confident in myself. Nothing from you. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, Just to to finish a recap here, um, Ty had a pretty short putt on 17 that would have tied it back up, um, and it just lipped out. Just took a massive curve hitting the outside of the – or the far side of the cup. Hit it pretty hard, too. Um, And then uh, similar case on the putt that he had to at least force uh, Ford to make – I think it was make birdie. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, or yeah, maybe yeah, salvage yeah. the hole on 18. Yeah. Um, just hooked it, hooked it wide. Um, so they're playing good golf. Um, the only one that's really kind of biffed it in match play is, is Christo, is Christo yeah. Lambrecht, who got smoked today. Yeah. And he shot plus six at the tournament. He did finish the fourth round with a, with a four under. So he's shot under par at this tournament. And I, Put him up that that climbed him twenty seven spots in the final round of the main match of the main individual stage. So it's not like he's had a bad bad run here. Um, he's had a bit of a howler in match play. Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit. Of, it's been it's been up and down. Um, so I mean, he any of these guys just in general have the ability, and this is what Connor Howe said when I talked to him. Like they feel like they can beat anybody in the country. And the UNC guy coach afterwards in the post game post match just now is kind of reiterated the same thing they are really really strong team that mentally are in the right spot um so i think just seeing these kinds of performances is what you want to see at this specific moment in time um so i'm not predicting anything for tomorrow because i don't know enough about florida's team or anything like that i do know that the ninth ranked team in the country and we're the 11th ranked team in the country so um once you I mean once you get that far up it's Oh, and North Carolina was number two, so we beat the crap out of them in the ACCs and then beat them again here, so that feels really good. Just a win, baby. Al Davis said best. Mm-hmm. Just win, baby. You got one more. Um, you get to you get to take out an old demon on the way if you do it. Um, maybe Hepler rolls the dice and puts Biondi on, on Steelman for the narrative. Uh, <laughs> who's, do that. who's to say? But... This is the this will be the best finish of a Georgia Tech athletic team since the men's the basketball national title uh, runner up or national runner up yep. uh, in yep. 03. Any way you slice it, it has been women's tennis title in 04. Wow, Somewhere. that's embarrassing. Uh, yeah. It was 07. It's a, close enough, close enough. That's even more embarrassing to correct me and not get the year right. Oh, I didn't know the year. I just knew it was somewhere in the in the odds. Is it let me let me assuage myself. The closest the men have gotten to a national title since. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, as a school since 07. So okay, uh, okay. yeah. Anyway, four and seven it, looks the same. It's uh an extremely it's going to be an extremely agonizing afternoon for both of us. Yes. Considering that I'm gonna. 
watch this. Both of us are going to watch. We're going to have to find a TV somewhere in the stadium. They're not going to put it on the stadium. I'm watching it off of a off of a phone. Um, so that's going to be it's going to be a fun time. Anyway, your broadcast details: 5 p.m. Eastern, Golf Channel, Georgia Tech versus Florida. That is what you said. Number 11, Georgia Tech versus number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Yep, number nine, Florida. So, 18 holes. Maybe plus a plus a couple extra for the national title in men's golf. We will uh we'll see you tomorrow.